Hey friends, Andy Jenkins here at the Hilltop. I'm in my office. It's actually, as of the recording of this, a Friday afternoon. And, you know, this is one of those days where it just seems I I finally, (laughs) this late into the week, got into my groove and I feel like I'm finally checking some things off the list. And I haven't really been uh, here Lately, I haven't recorded a podcast episode in a couple weeks, uh, in large part because of some of the great projects that I've been involved with. In fact, just this last week, I sent out an email and I uh, had had a few of you reaching out saying, hey, uh, you, you haven't aired anything new really, you know, in the last week or so, you know, what's going on? Um, because I'd, I'd done a couple replays, gone back and recaptured some things from oh, six months ago, a year ago, really reposted, reshared some old content. Uh, Two reasons for that. First of all, uh, I shared it because I I think we have this propensity to think that newer is necessarily better. And newer is not always a guarantee of better. Newer, many times, just means more recent or more current in terms of the timeline. Uh, I tell a lot of people, you know, they ask, well, what do you do to, to lose weight? What do you do to stay fit? I, I lost 40, 50 pounds several years ago. Uh, what do you do now to stay fit? And w- what I do is uh, most days I do a beach body workout in my garage. We have a, a small gym in our garage where I have some free weights. I have a pull-up bar, a dip bar, uh, a lot of space, an old television mounted to the wall that has internet access, and I stream there from Beachbody On Demand some of the workouts that really are 8, 10 years old. Uh, Things like T25, things like uh, sometimes P90X, things like uh, Max 30. Some of the workouts that I did 8 or 10 years ago, uh, (laughs) in part, didn't really get the results then that they would advertise because I didn't stay with it, I didn't eat right, but then... 2014, so you know, about uh, seven to eight years ago, seven and a half years ago, lost a good bit of weight because I did the program and did it in the right way and stayed with it. And I, and I found out one of the best things that I could do is just continue doing the things that work well. So I, I do that. I mix it up with some running. I mix that sometimes with some free weights, with riding my bicycle. Uh, what I've seen is there is even in physical fitness this tendency to think that newer is always necessarily better. And and that's not always the case. Many times you just go with what's tried, what's true, what's worked in the past will generally work in the present. And so it really relates to sharing some of the older content because if it was good and life-giving and energizing and encouraging and equipped you back then, um, that means it will probably do the same thing now. So you don't always need to look for something new. Uh, This is true whether you're trying to build a relationship in marriage, uh, whether you're trying to lean into friendships, whether you're trying, as we said, physical fitness, whether you're trying to just carve out time to make room to, let me use this phrase very loosely, quote, grow spiritually, um, to connect with your Heavenly Father. Many times the things that have worked before, you don't need a new, you, you really just need something that works that's consistent. And so that was one of the reasons I just repurposed and repackaged some of the old content 
for the last couple of weeks. The other reason is this, and just to be straight up, been in this really, really incredibly busy season. Now, I've learned by now that there, there's always something. I, I used to always think, oh, well, at the end of this season, oh, things will be easy, things will be smoother. Uh, it'll be like all just kind of clear coasting, clear sailing at that point. I've learned that's not actually true. <laughs> there, there's, there's always another challenge. There's always another project. There's always another thing. But, but straight up, here's, here's what's been going on in the last couple weeks, uh, last couple actually months. Um, we have engaged with some some new projects. So I, I've been helping a friend really transition his ministry from one ecosystem on the internet to another. He's got a book that's launching. He's got some other projects that he's unrolling. And uh, th- those, th- those I'm really excited to be part of. However, it's required a good bit of time. Uh, most of those projects, they require a lot of front-end heavy lifting. A uh, second friend that I've worked with in, in the past was releasing, he had actually had to even create this discipleship material. Now, in full disclosure, when we first met, he had it all in a notebook. So he had sermon notes and slides and manuscripts and, uh, you know, Xerox pages that he wanted to cite from books where he had done some research and questionnaires and quizzes and all of these things. He had it so organized. It was just a matter of how do we put this into a book form? And then how do we put that on the internet? And then how do we automate some of the quizzes and some of the assessments so people can learn more? How, how do we take what he already has, repackage that? And so really started working on that project. That's been an incredible run. Uh, another project I've been working on for about the last six, eight, nine months. That project really started doing some live events. And so that's been a great rollout. In fact, First live event was was this week uh, here in downtown Birmingham. It was so fun. The leader there of the organization did an incredible job, uh, you know, to use a tired, worn-out phrase that actually happened and knocked it out of the park. And I say that in full sincerity because we were actually downtown at Regents Park. So that's been an incredible ride. And then with the Crosswinds uh, PTSD Moral Injury Project for Veterans, we have been putting together, really excited about this, a Bible study around the topics of PTSD and moral injury. And so this week, really sat down doing some of the final editing, some of the final formatting, uh, outlining that book again, just to make sure it flows good. So outlining it on notebook paper so that th- this is this is what's great about it. We can create the slides and then teach the course based on that book. So a lot of incredible things happening and really just as a result of that have not as of yet had the opportunity to sit down and just just talk it out. And so I'm going to put some links down in the show notes to some of the relevant material for all of that because some of these guys are giving away their books for free. Some of them, you know, there's some nominal fees and and they're just starting to roll that stuff out. And of course, if you're local or doing an event, I would love for you to come and participate with that. So here's what I want to talk to you about today is one of the projects that I didn't even mention. It has everything to do with 12-step, with recovery. Now, before you write that off and go, well, okay, that's not me. Here's what I would encourage you to do. You've been listening already for seven minutes. Just keep listening. Um, Several years ago, uh, I went through 
arguably, uh, I would think, what was the most difficult season to date of my life. And thought that was starting to just see the light at the end of the tunnel, starting to break through. And at that point, just got plowed over with an even more difficult season. Now, through the midst of that, uh, I ended up attending a Celebrate Recovery uh, meeting here in Birmingham. Two, two of them, actually. I, I would go to one on Friday evenings. I would attend another one on Tuesday evenings. Uh, met some incredible men, particularly in that Tuesday evening meeting uh, where we started a small group and really just leaned in, learned about myself uh, on some new levels. And here's, here's one thing that I saw is about 70% of the people that go through any kind of recovery program. And, and, and by that, I don't mean like a rehabilitation where you go check yourself in for 30 days. By, by recovery, I mean you're in a small group, you're in a support group, you're working with a sponsor, you are doing life together for that season with the intentional purpose of overcoming some past hurt, some ongoing habit, or even a mindset, a hang-up, something that you can't quite uh, become unencumbered from, about two-thirds of the people doing that do not have an addiction, do not have a dependency upon a chemical substance. Uh, Most of those people, clearly, about 66%, 70%, sometimes the numbers are even higher, it is something that is some unhealed hurt, some unprocessed pain, something that will hinder you from moving forward. And so as I'm walking through that process, I I didn't have a chemical dependency, had had a massive amount of hurt, had some issues and some concerns that had, I I would even use the word plagued me for uh, over a decade. You you might even... uh, pluralize that and say decades, through that process, I, I really started learning some things about myself. And, and, I, and I told myself this, I said, if, if I'm ever in the future presented with the opportunity to work in the field of recovery again, because I had in the past, uh, in, in the past, uh, from oh, maybe 2007 until about 2015, so kind of an eight-year run there. I'd worked in several large recovery centers where we housed people coming off drugs, off the streets, uh, victims of human trafficking, people that were uh, currently, at that time, on early release, still considered inmates with the Department of Corrections, helping people overcome hurts, habits, hang-ups, legal issues, uh, working to get their identification so that they can move forward with jobs, with, with housing, to really land on their feet. And I told myself, if I ever walked back into a role even remotely related to that, I would change up how I taught. I would adjust some things that I was communicating, and and really, I would have done two things. No, number one of two is I would, if I did that again, I would go more for the root issues than simply addressing the fruit issues. Uh, I, I would go, to say it another way, more for what was 
underneath the surface that was causing the behaviors that we typically saw. Now, when you're housing people and you have all these behavioral issues and people continue to lie, to get high, to uh, attempt to sneak out, to, to engage in shenanigans, you constantly find yourself having on some level to deal with fruit issues. So, so it's not that you don't address fruit issues. It's not that you don't deal with behaviors. However, while you're dealing with those behaviors, you must go deeper. You've got to address the root issues because if you don't change the root, the fruit will consistently return. The fruit might uh, stay good for six days, for six months, for years. But at some point, if you haven't addressed the root, uh, the root is going to manifest itself again in the fruit. Th this is exactly why I think in my life I would, I would have a certain issue that would pop up. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not trying to hide the issue. I'm just saying there's kind of so many you could just kind of pick one. I have a certain issue that would pop up. I would deal with it, address with it, uh, you know, pluck off the bad fruit, throw it away, wh whatever, the rotten issue, get rid of it. it. would be fine for a season. And then possibly two, three years later, it would be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm dealing with that same thing again. Ah, oh, goodness. What, what, what in the world... And again, it's because in order to heal the fruit, you must handle the root. In order to take care of the fruit, you've got to handle the root. Uh, Jesus straight up said this, you, you know, good trees bear good fruit, bad trees bear bad fruit. So, so what he's really kind of looking at right there is we'd say, hey, so often we get enamored with the fruit. We look at the fruit and really it's, you change the nature of the tree, you change the makeup of the tree, and the good tree is going to consistently bear good fruit. Don't look at the fruit, look at the root, look at the core of the tree, and then address that handle there. So if I got back in recovery, in any shape, form, or fashion, I really said that I would start really focusing there. Even as we handled fruit issues, we would deal with root issues. Uh, the second thing that I really said that I would do is I would do some more focused teaching on what I want to talk to you about today, which is this delineation between the soul and the spirit, the difference between the soul and the spirit. Now, if you want to dive deeper on this, I'm going to put a link in the show notes below where you can click and it'll just pop up. You don't have to opt in. You don't have to provide an email address, anything like that. You can just watch a video where I'm really, it's from the soul wholeness video course, really talking through the difference between the soul and the spirit. I would really spend, if I got in recovery, more time dealing with the root instead of the fruit and talking about the difference between the soul and the spirit. And here's why I would do both, okay? Because when you're in Christ, your eternal destiny, it is sound, it is secure. So this isn't a question of going to heaven or not. This isn't a question of what happens when you die. However, this does become a concern of life now. This, this does enhance your experience on this side of heaven. Now, I, and I go, for sure, in, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus says that. Nothing's going to be perfect on this side of heaven, yet at the same time, your experience can be enhanced or 
de-enhanced, I don't even know if that's a word, degraded in some sense, uh, lessened based on, I I really think, those two factors. That's not a catch-all framework for everything, but those two factors have so much to do with what happens in our experience of life. Again, here they are. Number one, whether we're dealing with the fruit, F-R-U-I-T, the fruit, the behaviors, or going after the root issues, the causes. What, like, what's really going on inside your heart? Like, What's the deeper thing that keeps causing things to occur? What's, what's really driving you? So the roots and the fruits. And the second of all is that delineation between the soul and the spirit. The difference between the soul and the spirit is profound. Let, let me talk to you a little bit about that, uh, maybe in the next uh, five, ten minutes or so. And if we go long, uh, I can just pause, turn this off, come back, continue on the next episode. So here, here's the deal. Many, many of us really, we understand that we have a body, and we understand that there's something that's unseen about us. We understand that there's something underneath the surface uh, that we can't quite see that, that is the place of our personalities, the place of our mindsets, the place of moods, emotions, feelings, all these other things. And typically we lump all of that together and say that the soul and the spirit are one thing. In, in other words, there's kind of a visible part of us, that's our body, and there's an invisible, unseen part of us that is, we typically think, a concoction of the soul in the spirit. Now, by the way, the reason I got back into really reshifting into this is because recently uh, a friend reached out. They have uh, upgraded a recovery center where they're working and said, hey, we, we really want some help. And we one of the things we want to do is take a revisit at some of the material that you wrote several years ago uh, about recovery. It was a 12-step program. And, and I told them, I said, man, I would love to be involved and love to help you. But I kind of explained what I just explained to you on this recording and I said, yeah, I'd really like to take another swipe at it. Like, if you're going to use that book, use that material, I would be so honored. And at the same time, I would like to maybe just refine it and tweak it a little bit. So one of the big tweaks was discussing this idea of the soul and the spirit, the difference between the soul and the spirit. Hebrews 4.12, it says this. I'm just going to straight up read. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, that word right there, that the word of God, the scripture, it will it will pierce, it will cut you. It's more like a precise surgical scalpel it's not like this massive William Wallace bludgeoning type of sword of iron. I mean, th- this is subtle, it's nuanced, and it really requires some intuition, some degree of discernment, and some slowing down to lean in and take a closer look. But, but notice when it does it, the Word of God, living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing, dividing soul and spirit. So, so it really helps you see the difference right there. In other words, here's what I'm saying. You are not a two-part person. It's not that you have a body and then you got this soul-spirit concoction inside of you. You have a body. That's one. Number two, you have a spirit. That's the inner person that's different than the soul. And number three, you have 
a soul. You have a soul that is the inner person, different, unique from the spirit. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about the body. All of us understand that the body is the physical part of us. Uh, it is that seen part. It is a part that God wants to redeem. The body is not evil. A lot of people think, well, the body is just bad. It's it's not. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now, now, pay attention to this. He, it's a prayer. May the Lord God, the God of peace himself, sanctify you completely. And, and notice what he defines as completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body, it's all three, may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's clear right there that God wants to restore our bodies. Notably, he reverses the order in which we would typically place these three parts, uh, highlighting their relative order of importance. So we, we would typically say something like body, soul, and spirit. Paul flips that, and he doesn't say body, soul, and spirit. He says spirit, soul, and body. He highlights those unseen parts first, giving preference and order to, as the most important, your spirit. Uh, in another verse, Paul says, 2 Corinthians 4.18, fix our eyes on what is unseen, not on what is seen. Uh, what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Uh, the, the reality is your body and my body, it is wearing out a little bit each year. Uh, goodness, you know, I feel like when I'm lifting, doing the exercises, when I'm running, it's like, oh, I, you know, I just don't have the full uh, burst of, of of speed that I, I used to have or the full burst of of strength. I, I still feel strong. I, I feel fit. But, I mean, goodness, like, you know, be honest, some things... They've changed. They're, they're different. The, the body is wearing down, yet at the same time, God is restoring it. Um, 1 Thessalonians 4.16, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. This is kind of the second coming of Christ. And the dead in Christ will rise first. So in the future, somehow, that body is going to be restored. It's going to be renewed. Uh, the spirit, that's the another part of you. That was the one Paul gave primacy to. That spirit is the part of you that is connected, fully aligned with Christ and with the Holy Spirit when you become a Christian. 1 Corinthians 6.17, it tells us this. Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. One, such that there's no separation between where the Spirit of God ends and you begin or where you end and his Spirit begins. You are totally enmeshed, totally integrated. Uh, the Scripture really layers this up, and it says things like your inner man, uh, Ephesians 4.24 is created now in God's image in quote quote true holiness and righteousness. Um, Proverbs. So even in the Old Testament, it says that the spirit of the man, so the spirit of of you, of me, is the lamp of the Lord. That, that's the place where the Lord shines into us, searching all the depths of of His heart. So it searches the depths of my heart, searches the depths of yours, searches the depths of the Lord's heart. It it connects those. It brings those together. 
So the, the body's the physical part. The spirit's the inner part of you that is connected with God. But you've still got that third part. You've still got that soul. Uh, the soul is the part of you that is in process. The soul is the part of you. Well, think about it like this. Paul says, uh, Romans 12, 2, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, uh, to be changed by the renewing of your mind. Your spirit doesn't need to be transformed. Your spirit doesn't need to be renewed. It has been completely made whole, uh, connected one with the Holy Spirit. But, but your mind is part of the soul. It, it is in need of this ongoing transformation. Uh, so that soul, it includes the mind, which includes your thoughts. It includes the will, which is the drive from those thoughts. It includes your emotions, which are your feelings and, and the expressions of those feelings about how everything in the world that you're interpreting is occurring. That soul is different than the spirit. That spirit is connected whole with God. That soul, it's kind of looking around the world and evaluating and thinking and processing, and bringing in input to you from what's happening around you. Now, now let me say this. That doesn't mean that the soul is evil. It, it doesn't mean it's bad. In fact, without the soul, uh, you and I wouldn't really know each other. Uh, you, the soul is your seed of your personality, the soul is the place where you're expressive, where you could be emotional or not emotional, or you're an extrovert, or you're an introvert, or you're, you know, they got this new thing called ambivert, which isn't new. It's just a way of understanding that sometimes you're an extrovert and sometimes you're an introvert, depending on the situation or depending on what the crowd or the environment is. Uh, your soul is the way that you see, sense, feel the world around you. It's the way that you interact with others. Here's the deal, though. Your soul was designed to submit to your spirit. So your soul was not designed to be the engine that drives everything. And if, and if you think about it, that's really where we get in trouble is when we just, you go, oh, I, got, I, got, I just got too emotional. I, I let, oh, let my, just let my feelings run away with me. Or you say things like, oh, I just got all in my head. That, that's exactly right. So we, we want the access of our mind. Um, the Lord gave you your mind. We want the accessibility of our personality. The Lord gave you your personality. In fact, there's a link I'll put in the show notes where you can take this personality quiz. It really just kind of highlights using four different colors, uh, kind of a grid on top of the disk profile. Uh, we use that in the Life Lift framework and in my book, Purpose, that you can, you can actually get for free. You pay the shipping and handling, we'll send it to you, uh, where... Really, God gave you that personality, and he wants to use your personality. There's, there's no one quite like you, but at the same time, all of this was designed and works best when it's submitted to the Spirit. So you go, well, what does that have to do with all this? Let me, let me land it all right here, and then I'll come back in the next episode. We'll take it a little bit farther. Here's the deal. The problems that you and I face... The issues where we misunderstand people, the concerns where we kind of one-up others or where we say things to spin it and make ourselves look in a better light or where we get bent out of shape because we're worried that others are going to overlook us or there won't be enough for us. Like all of that, it doesn't originate in the spirit. It originates in the soul. 
as far as it relates to addiction or that that, that 70% of the people that are dealing with a hurt habit or hang up. So 30% of the people, like they're in a good place, 70% of us <laughs> that were in the recovery group, 70% of us are dealing with something that has nothing to do with the chemical dependency. We just find ourselves like in a, in a rut. And we're just trying to figure out like, yeah, how do I... How do I climb up on out of this thing? Those issues, they all have to deal with the soul. Okay, so here's, here's what I want to do. I'm going to put some links down in the show notes where you can learn more. <laughs> I realize having gotten ultra practical right here and probably raised more questions than I provided answers. So listen, follow the links right there and just go kind of explore some more on your own and then meet me in the next episode and we'll take this body, soul, spirit thing a little bit farther. Okay, here's, here's my prayer for you today. It's super simple. The prayer is, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you and shine his face of favor upon you. And may you, as Paul prayed in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may you sense, may you feel his ongoing sanctification. That is his ongoing working it all out for you in your body so you may be physically whole. And in your spirit, which is already 100% aligned with his, but may you shine from that part, and may you have the fortitude and the wisdom to discern that subtle difference between what spirit and what soul, and may your soul lean and to submit to that spirit inside of you. Grace and peace. I'll see you in the next episode.